Welcome to the Rebecca Panapinto Project. Today, I am very excited to host Shane Mulrooney. Shane is the head of growth and customer experience at New Era ADR. But prior to joining New Era, Shane was the vice president and head of legal for Home Chef. They were a leading meal kit delivery company where he was able to build the legal department and ultimately guide the company through a $700 million acquisition by Kroger. Before Home Chef, Shane was a tax associate in the corporate group at the law firm Kirkland Ellis, where he primarily focused on working the private equity M&A deals. Shane grew up in the Chicagoland area, and he lived in the city for the first 10 years of his career. Since then, he has relocated to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he now resides with his fiance and their animals. Shane loves hiking, running, biking, and travel. And today I'm excited to dive into all that he's doing to invest in his legal startup. Enjoy the show. Hey, Shane, welcome to the show. How you doing? Fabulous. So great to see you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I love how we met. It was so natural and organic through the Pavilion community. Um, so I was really honored when you agreed to be on the show without <laughs> knowing too much even yet about me, what I'm doing, but I've enjoyed the process of getting to know you and especially your industry. So I feel like I've recently been on a streak of legal tech for some reason. It's like it comes in waves of people I'm, I'm talking to and having on the show. So you are a perfect fit for that. And I've been super intrigued about what digital transformation has meant within this ecosystem and world that you live. So let's start by chatting about that a little bit and um, frame it up maybe with how COVID was able to accelerate a lot of it. Sure, yeah, no, happy to talk about it. And thanks again for having me. Um, yeah, legal technology is interesting, um, right? Because when you have the legal industry, which is very old and slow and entrenched, but legal tech kind of more broadly has been around for, for quite a while now, actually, and a lot of it is in the discovery um, area. So, you know, in court, when uh, one party needs to get all the emails and all the documentation and everything from the other party, they go through a process called discovery. And there's a lot of companies out there um, <clears throat> that have actually, that are now very large, that made that whole process, use technology to, to streamline that whole process. Um, another big one is contract management, just companies maintaining all their contracts, being able to find them easily, document them, et cetera. Um, what we do though, is we see a lot of that stuff, particularly, you know, discovery solutions as band-aids, um, to a much kind of larger systemic problem in the industry, um, at least in the litigation side of, of practicing law, the courts and the disputes and whatnot. Um, and so what we're trying to do, which, um, you know, we can get into as much detail as you want, but what we're trying to do is, is transform using technology, transform that whole dispute resolution process into a much simpler, more streamlined, quicker, cheaper, and more efficient um, process. And um, COVID was very interesting, right? Because again, generally before we came along, um, everything in litigation and dispute resolution was all in person, right? You gotta show up to the court, show up to this conference room, you got to do this deposition, we're flying everybody across the country to do this all in person. Um, I don't think things like Zoom and other, you know, video conferencing materials um, were all that prevalent in that world. And then everything shut down and literally closed, the courts barred their doors and nobody was going in. Um, and that, that lasted for quite a while. There's still some that are, that are still shut down or have very limited hours. Um, but the lawsuits never stopped, right? So they needed a way to figure out how to 
get these things resolved. And for a while, since the courts were actually entirely closed, um, it forced a lot of people to just come to the table and try to settle, do mediations or what they're called. And uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they, they really picked up on, okay, well, how can we do this remotely? And um, that's where technology worked its way in to, to these settlement discussions. And then ultimately that kind of branched out to, you know, other, um, other areas of dispute resolution. And we at New Era, we really owned that, you know, we, we, we started the company pre-COVID, but when it came around, we said, look, you know, we, now you all know that we can get stuff done remotely. So we're here to help and actually not just do the hearing itself, but actually the entire process digitally. So sorry, that was a really long answer. Very cool. No, that's great. <laughs> um, I love hearing when companies benefit from COVID more so than it be a detriment <laughs> to what they're trying to accomplish. So that's right. encouraging. And I'm sure yeah, not only do people still need to go to court, it was probably even more so <laughs> as yeah. there was so much drama around people disagreeing over a lot of things going on during the COVID days. Definitely. Yeah, definitely a lot of COVID specific related disputes. Uh, like a big one is, um, and I don't want to get too legal and, and boring here, but the, the force majeure clause, which basically says, hey, in this contract, if there are these acts of God, you know, things that nobody saw coming, like an earthquake and, um, you know, whatever, um, that makes it impossible for me to perform under this contract, then, then I'm off the hook. You can't, you can't sue me. Um, a lot of those clauses didn't specifically say global pandemic <laughs> constitutes a force majeure. Um, and there was a lot of litigation over that because people were saying, actually, yes, it does. It should. And then others were saying, no, it's not listed in there. So anyway, all of those clauses now have <laughs> global pandemic directly in the, in the language. That's funny. Yeah. They probably never had to think of that before. Right. Um, I've never thankfully had to go to court to fight for anything, but I did benefit from a lawsuit in that situation with Spartan. Cause I run basically an obstacle course race every other weekend and had pre-booked most of my 2020 races because I was like, this right. is going to be my year. I'm going to get all these trifectas. Here we go. And so I prepaid for all of them. And with that comes paying for the insurance, which is like 25 bucks, whatever. Uh -huh. Well, it didn't say global pandemic in any of that. So right. though I got credits for my races, maybe at some points a refund, that was rare. The insurance was not happening. And so a year and a half later, a settlement came through. I think it was called like Tutti Fruity or something. It had a very entertaining name sure um, but i got five dollars for every insurance payment i had made up to a certain point I'm like well okay cool okay. bought me some, <laughs> some spartan swag um yeah. but i can only imagine yeah that insurance company was not going to sit there and let themselves go out of business based on something that they could not foresee whatsoever and spartan right. could only take so much of a hit so i'm glad to an extent you know, ultimately some of what I funded helps them to both stay in business, but they also did what was right to at least somewhat make amends. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. And I guarantee that that agreement, that settlement was probably negotiated, uh, you know, on zoom. And not <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they leveraged your platform to some extent too, at least if they're smart. We, yeah, we would hope so. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what gave you the passion for going from 
practitioner to now a legal tech leader? Yeah, so um, it was kind of by just a function of where I was kind of in my life um, at the time and just seeing a really good opportunity um, to make change. So I was, um, you know, prior to this, I had worked at Home Chef. I was the um, general counsel there. We had sold to Kroger uh, back in 2018, successful exit. Everybody was happy. And I stuck around for about a year, nine months after that. But then uh, my girlfriend, now my fiance, she wanted to go to business school. And so we were living in Chicago and she had applied all over, uh, but nowhere in Chicago, actually, I don't think. So we knew we were going to move. And this was before remote work was, you know, so widely accepted. So um, we both like quit our jobs and with, Indian, you know, with the, the intention on, on moving out of Chicago, but we actually left early, traveled around the world. Again, talk about timing. This was in 2019. So we, we got lucky by a year. Um, if we had waited one more year, it wouldn't have happened. So got to travel around the world, um, see a bunch of cool stuff. And then we actually landed in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, where she went to, she got her MBA from the University of Michigan. I didn't have a plan when I quit my job back, you know, six months prior um, and had some idea of what I might do when I get to Ann Arbor, but nothing solid. And then my co-founder actually, who I was friends with, reached out and said, hey, I have this idea. He was the general counsel of a company that had just been sold also, <clears throat> excuse me, also. And so um, he was looking to his next thing. So because I was kind of, I didn't have to leave any really good job. I was already kind of just trying to figure out what was next. And because it was the story and the product and the idea was so compelling, that's what really made me jump ship. And I had always kind of thought that the, pra the actual practice of law uh, was boring <laughs> and that there might be something else out there. Um, you know, that I would be more passionate about. And it was really a nice mix because I could leverage all the experience that I had. I wasn't starting something brand new. I needed, I needed to have been a lawyer and to be a lawyer to, to do what I'm doing. Um, but instead of looking through contracts all day and drafting policies and reading statutes, um, I get to just talk about myself and, and talk about the product and, and, and sell and um, run the company from a business perspective and build and all of that, which I really enjoyed. Very cool. And I'm sure the folks that you're selling to have that much more respect for you being that you've been in their shoes and actually been on the practitioner side. I would hope so. Yeah. And I think, I think it's it, at this stage with such a new company and with such a revolutionary idea kind of is, is necessary, right. It's kind mm -hmm. of a precursor to being able to ha having that credibility. If, if we were just some kid out of college trying to sell this thing, I don't think, uh, yeah, people will be less likely to get on the phone. Yeah, that's fair. So coming from what you had done at Home Chef as general counsel, where do you feel like you had to quickly upskill to be successful where you're at? Was it getting more technical? Was it the sales and marketing? Where Even now, I mean, maybe on a daily basis, you focus on an area of your skill set to be getting better. What would you say that is? Yeah, I think de definitely the focus um, that the, there's a lot left to do, right? Still, um, the focus up to this point has largely just been on, you know, what is sales? Like, what what does the uh, the profession look like? What are best practices? What should I be doing when I'm talking to people? When I'm emailing them? When I'm setting up process, doing revenue operations, and all of that stuff was all brand new. I'd never been in a CRM before. You know, I didn't know what any of that uh, looked like, right? So nice. 
Yeah. So it, it's, it's, oops, sorry. It's a whole new world. Um, and that there, there's going to be a marketing, we haven't done much marketing. We're very B2B um, and, and sales oriented, but we will, there will be a marketing phase. So I'm going to have to upscale on that too. Fortunately, I did have experience as an executive. So general counsel being on the executive team, making those kind of top level strategic decisions um, wasn't new, new company, new industry from what I was doing before, but one which I was, I'm more comfortable in actually. So that, that, that all fortunately was there. It's really the, the, yeah, the specific kind of tactical profession in sales that I've really been like, what is this and how do I do it? Do you love it already? Oh yeah. No, I mean, and I'm looking forward to, you know, when, when things start to take off a little bit more and I actually get to do the real fun stuff, like going, you know, golfing and conferences and <laughs> taking, taking clients out to dinner and all that kind of stuff. So um, yes. hasn't been too much of that yet, just given the pandemic and, and where we are as, as a company, but yeah. yeah, no, it's been great. Oh, I'm sure lawyers are going to love you more for that too. Yeah. Nobody, nobody doesn't like that, uh, getting, getting treated to something. So I'm sure these folks are working easily eight, 10, 12 hour days. Where do you best fit in right now? A new era to help streamline their processes. And maybe they still work the same amount of hours, but they're more productive hours, or maybe you're giving a life back to a lawyer. Where does that fit into being able to really help these folks get more of a manage on work-life balance based on the fact that there's no shortage of things to go litigate. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting point. Um, it probably, so we're selling to the in-house departments, right? Um, so what I used to be, they still have their lawyers that they're putting all of that, that work on. Um, I think that, and there's no, like you said, there's no shortage of that. So really our, sell to them as to, to these in-house uh, attorneys is more uh, from a financial perspective. You're not going to need to pay other people so much with respect to any given dispute um, because our process is so streamlined and because things move so much more quickly. Um, I think, you know, I think they would appreciate probably, I assume, I know I would have as a general counsel having some time back with respect to having to review and manage all of those people doing all of that when they can just slide onto our platform and easily run through a dispute. Um, I don't know if we're at the stage yet where they're, uh, you know, taking off work early because of, <laughs> because of the, because of the software, but someday, I mean, if it's, it becomes as ubiquitous as we want it to be um, and disputes don't require, you know, I mean, especially for attorneys that are, that are outside counsel that are the ones mm -hmm. doing the litigating, I mean, um, you know, we're trying to give them a tool where they can actually spend time doing the fun lawyering, which is arguing the substance of the case, you know, drafting arguments and, and, and really litigating instead of pouring over, doc, you know, boxes of documents and doing, you know, mind numbing discovery and, and filing motions on motions related to procedure. Like nobody likes that. It's necessary that just using the tools that are given to them in the game that they play and taking advantage of them. And that's fine, but we take away those rules. So then they're just left with substance and fun. So once again, that, that becomes, you know, more common to use us. I do think that those attorneys will definitely have um, more of their life back and hopefully enjoy the practice that much more. 
That's good. How do you focus on user experience of the platform? So uh, ease of use, I think, is, the, is our main focus. Um, how can we make sure that with as little friction as possible, um, anybody that comes on our platform can do it start to finish without needing to contact us, without needing to look at our rules, without having to do any sort of extra diligence on their end, just because of how smooth the process is. Um, and we've actually, we have an in-house product designer. She's our, our head of design, um, which because it's a startup, she has, you know, we have her design marketing materials too and all that, but she comes from yes. the product designer and she's phenomenal. Um, we had her as a, as a contractor in early days and it became very clear quickly that we needed to, to hire her full-time because of how much we had to do and how good she was. So because of that, I mean, she, she does a lot of the heavy list, lifting and just making it look nice and clean and easy to use. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, when we're, we're really trying to contrast ourselves from the complicated labyrinth that is court, right? And when you like, if you walked into court tomorrow, how do you file a lawsuit? Like, I don't even know how to do that. I'm a lawyer, <laughs> like, who knows? So when you come on our platform and you click, you know, file a dispute, you know, it's, we're just trying to, to ease that whole process for everybody. And you help accelerate the actual settlement settlement piece as well. You're mentioning earlier that became more the favorable option during COVID. You're yeah. allowing people to manage that beginning to end as well without ever having to come in and actually battle it out in person like you see on Judge Judy. <laughs> right, right, right. So yeah, so the mediation, that was actually our first. So real quick, just to, to be boring with, with legal jargon um, again. So we have... And there are two main what's called alternative dispute resolution um, mm -hmm. products, and we have both mediation and arbitration. Arbitration is basically a private court. You have a judge, the arbitrator, they're usually an ex-judge, um, and you run it kind of like a private court. They hand a decision, it's legally binding, they hand it down. Um, mediation, you have a mediator, they're not, they're not there to hand down any decision, they're there to just guide the two parties to a settlement. Maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Um, and that was actually, that was that process that really jacked up during, during the pandemic. And so that was actually our first product that we built. Mm -hmm. The arbitration piece was actually more the, always more the goal because there's just a lot more improvements to make there. Uh, but mediation, again, we built first because we recognized, hey, this is what everybody's doing right now. And, and there's no product out there that helps kind of from start to finish. You can jump on, anybody can jump on Zoom and talk, but um, this way we have a place to upload all your documentation, you know, scheduling, um, having a final settlement uh, decision done in an easy way. So uh, yeah, we, we try to support both. Very cool. And now there's cool technology coming with uh, Zoom apps to actually have DocuSign integrated oh, yeah. as well. So in theory, you can finish that workflow. Yeah. We've, we've had our eye on Zoom apps quite a bit. And we're, we're always thinking about how we can, you know, how we can integrate um, there because we're interested in, again, just kind of like making that process that much smoother for everybody. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, there's this idea you introduced to me as we were getting to know each other as well that I want to talk a little bit more about. And it's the idea of the neutral bench. Can you help the audience understand what that is and how that's going to really impact things going forward? 
Sure. So the R bench is basically the pool of, of neutrals and, and neutral means, um, so you have your arbitrators and your mediators, they, they, they are all in neutrals. It's the, it's the overarching term for any, any person um, that acts as either mediator or arbitrator. So we have um, a pool of neutrals that we draw from for any given dispute. Um, and generally how that works is we have this big pool. They're all very experienced folks. Um, we take out the five to 10 um, that have the particular type of experience for the kind of dispute. You know, if it's an employment dispute, we've got 10 that all have a ton of experience arbitrating employment disputes or commercial disputes or consumer, whatever. Um, and then the parties go through a process that we have where they pick the one that they want. Um, that pool though, that bench um, has um, a lot of experience, but because it's a reflection of the legal industry writ large um, and, and how it, you know, and even how it was 30 years ago, because these folks are all like retired or semi-retired, um, it's got a major diversity issue. Um, pale, male, and stale is actually the term that gets, gets thrown around a lot. Um, and again, the legal industry has a lot of issues with, with that itself, and, and alternative dispute resolution is no different. And so we recognize that. A lot of everybody recognizes it, but we feel like we're in kind of a unique opportunity. We have a unique opportunity and, and in a good position to be able to help move the needle on that some. So uh, the pool is going to be what the pool is. However, we can always make sure that when we are when we are suggest or when we're pulling those ten who have the right experience, we can always make sure that that ten is much more diverse than what and much more reflective of the population writ large than necessarily what might be just in the pool. Um, mm -hmm. So we're trying to make we're going to make sure you know, that all of those, um, those benches that we present to the parties, again, are more representative and diverse than what you might otherwise see. Very cool. And how does that change outcomes, you think? Well, yeah, so um, I think it was Jay-Z, maybe somebody a couple of years ago had a dispute. And he went pretty public, it was an arbitration, he went pretty public about the fact that he didn't have the opportunity to um, have or select a neutral that had similar experiences to him who would understand what he was going through by having a similar background and experiences because again of, of um there you know there must have been no african americans that they were that were offered for um being a uh, <clears throat> being a neutral and so and he and and i say that to say that's the point right is when the parties themselves and the lawyers um are able to connect with the neutral on, on a level based on similar shared experiences and backgrounds, that neutral is going to understand the dispute much better from the point of view of uh, those people that are involved in it. And therefore they're going to presumably hand down more fair um, resolutions because they can, they can empathize and understand uh, what the parties are going through better. Very cool. I mean, if Jay-Z is involved, can't be wrong. <laughs> Game changer. Right. Right. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, that's super helpful. And um, I'm super intrigued by all of these elements of the legal e legal ecosystem. Yeah, thank that. you. Hold on one second. Since <laughs> that was a tongue twister. No, that's really cool. And I'm super intrigued by all the different elements of the legal ecosystem that are unknown to somebody who hasn't been deep within, you know, 
actually fighting for something. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, um, I live this stuff every day. So stuff that I take for granted, you know, people usually stop me and they're like, what, what the heck is a mediator? You know, I, I forget that like, you know, we need to just slow down. Not everybody um, lives in the legal and the, you know, dispute resolution world itself. So yeah, there's a lot of nuance there. The DEI piece is one that we're all very passionate about and excited to, to really, um, to really help, help move the needle. Like I mentioned. Very cool. So more on a personal front now, what even made you want to go to law school and, and set out on this journey that it's had some pivots, but still, I mean, obviously that time spent studying law has served you well. Yeah. I wish I had a good story about how I, you know, why I ended up being a lawyer and how I, um, I, I definitely think my career has been great and very interesting. And I'm very grateful for, um, you know, where I've ended up and, and the experiences I had, but really when I was just a kid in college, um, I didn't know better. I actually, when I was in high school, I was really into like social justice. Um, and I think, I think at the time I wanted to, to go be an international human rights lawyer for Amnesty International or something like that. That was kind of where my head was at when I was in high school. So then that changed when I went to college to just lawyer, because it was, you know, I was like, all right, well, I'll just be a lawyer and then figure out where I want to go from there. Um, and then I changed my major from political science to uh, communications, like, but it was communication studies. So it was almost like the philosophy of rhetoric is very, um, you know, esoteric. And so um, I almost box myself in because I don't know what other job I would have gotten out of college if I didn't go to law school with that nice. in, uh, as a, as a major and, and having, I found it very interesting. I loved it. And I ended up minoring in political science anyway, but, um, it, 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 it made my college very interesting for me, but I, I definitely needed to do something else after that in order to have a, the type of career that I wanted to, um, mm -hmm. So ultimately just kind of kept going through and went to law school. And then, you know, and then I, so after law school, I went to one of the largest, most profitable law firms in the world, uh, Kirkland and Ellis in Chicago. So I was definitely not doing international human rights um, there. I was doing private equity mergers and acquisitions and um, real estate um, because I think in law school, you know, I saw the, the salaries that they were paying <laughs> those first year associates. And I said, Hey, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, now it's kind of funny, actually, because um, where I've ended up today, we're actually, you know, potentially taking billable hours from outside counsel on, on some things. And so it all kind of comes back full circle. We're not, we're certainly not set out to, to do that, uh, but it will, it, there could be an adjustment in the kind of fee structures as a result of uh, what we're building today. So Long answer. Um, basically, I just kind of went with the flow <laughs> until uh, and just kind of one foot in front of the other until I got here. And it worked out. Yeah. Sounds like the starts of any entrepreneur is, hey, chase the passion, chase what's in front of you and opportunity just kind of presents itself and then decide which one to take and build that as well. So yeah, I think it's great. That's a great story, even if it's not super calculated. Yeah, yeah. It's not like I, you know, my dad was a lawyer and I wanted to grow up and be just like him, or I had some experience with a lawyer and said I need to do that. It was, 
I don't know what else to do. And here I am. Also, I graduated college during right during the Great Recession. Um, and it, you know, it was actually a historically high time for people to go to law school, I think, for, you know, for a lot of reasons, one of which being there was just no jobs. So that that also helped kind of push me in that direction. Yeah, very cool. So outside of all of the, uh, I'm sure, contracts you review and technology you're building, how do you like to push yourself maybe physically or mentally? Are there areas where on the weekends you like to really engage and, and help yourself grow outside of, you know, maybe a career context? Yeah, sure. So actually, um, funny you asked that. I, I just started training for a half Ironman. Um, what am I in week three of 16? So very cool. Yeah, thank you. And it's actually funny you mentioned your experience during 2020. I actually had signed up for a half Ironman um, in that spring. I think it was supposed to be in April. And so I had gotten through more than half of my training um, schedule when everything shut down and I no longer had access to a pool. And um, they ended up postponing that from April to September, you know, back when everybody thought, oh, this will be just over in the summer. <laughs> um, so I ended up training for a half Ironman for about nine months um, <laughs> that never came to be because obviously all those got canceled too um, and pushed out to, I think I was technically signed up for one last summer, but last summer I ended up this, yeah, 2021 summer, but I did a bunch of uh, traveling, um, working remotely out in out West, out in the mountains um, and said, not going to, not going to bother with it. So now I'm signed up. Uh, it's actually in Chattanooga where I live um, yes. in May. And so it's, you know, there's no worming out of this one now. I mean, I'm <laughs> definitely going to give it a go. And I've got a couple friends um, who are, who are coming down, um, to do it with me. So, um, very excited. I, I've done one before in New Orleans in 2016 and, and absolutely loved it. So it's, it's a good excuse to get in shape. It's a good excuse to push myself, you know, stay busy. Um, I've really enjoyed training here as opposed to Chicago, um, because I can actually go outside and enjoy myself in January and February when I couldn't in Chicago. And it was too cold to bike outside until, you know, April in Chicago. So it's, it's a nice change of pace here for sure. Yeah. Oh, Chattanooga is built for outdoorsy people. Yeah. So I'm actually a little jealous of <laughs> how you're getting to train. Oh. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. I mean, yeah, I think you mentioned um, before that you rock climbed, uh, you come here rock climb. So I, I used to do it at a gym in Chicago. I got certified or whatever that is, um, but never really much outside. So I'm, I would love to get back into that too, because I, I do really enjoy that. I'm no good at it, but it's, it's a ton of fun. Real rock climbing. Yeah. Right. It's brutal on your hands. You definitely yeah. want calluses, but it is really fun. And yeah, Chattanooga has a great spot. I think it's like off your downtown like main street oh you really can climb like outside yeah oh, outside no, no, no. of the rock gym it's very cool yeah 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 it's uh it's time consuming i remember if you want to get good at it but um you know i'm sure i'll be looking to to do something other than swim bike and run all the time after this uh <laughs> to this half iron man so could get back into it i'm sure it'll be so satisfying when you finally complete the three-year journey to yeah, this Iron no, Man yeah good point definitely yeah much more than just the 16 weeks uh this time around would you say you've learned something about like mental toughness and mental stamina through your training as well because 
that's what I've experienced in Spartan. And that's like the benefits I love the most is how clear my head gets on a course and like how much better I get at problem solving. I wonder if you had your own personal experiences. You've been deep in and out of training a few different times. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, the mental toughness thing was really, was really beat into me almost literally in, um, in high school, I was a wrestler and they, you find out pretty quickly how much further your body can go than you think. Um, and that was always our coaches was always it's all mental toughness, you know, mentally that's, that's what makes, you know, separates the good wrestlers from the great ones and all of that. Um, so I think I've definitely carried a lot of those lessons through into later in life as I've done, you know, competed and stuff like this. And, uh, it's, it is funny. You mentioned clarity a lot. My fiance makes fun of me. Um, this is getting personal because a lot of times after a long run or a long bike ride, I'll come back and I'll be like, you know, I really love you. And I'm so happy yes. <laughs> what we got going on here because I hit that, you know, when I'm, when I'm in the middle of a run that runner's I'm, high. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, great. I, I love my fiance. And so, um, yeah, I, I feel, I experience that all the time. No, this was talking about. That's very cool. I love that. I'm sure she appreciates it as well. Yeah. She should make fun of me less. And really I tell her that just take it in and enjoy it. You know, <laughs> that's great. Maybe I'll get her out there running with you one day too. Who knows? She has told me many times, Shane, we are never going to be that couple that runs. together. <laughs> I don't care, you know, how much you try and that's fine. She, she loves the outdoors too, obviously. That's why we live here, but she, um, she's really, I mean, we both love hiking, but that's kind of her, her jam. And, um, we, you know, I might be technically in better running biking shape, whatever, but she does every bit of, you know, we'll go on 15 mile high. I mean, she's every, every bit as, um, into that and in, you know, hiking shape as, as anyone. Very cool. I want to shift gears now to principles and curious from your perspective, what is maybe one or two principles that you've learned and decided to live by to be successful in business? Sure. So, um, you know, I think for me and in, in, in particular, when, when dealing with internal communications, especially I notice um, making sure that all communication is honest and open, making sure that everybody has, I don't you know, a safe space, I guess, to be able to say what's on their mind and what they're thinking and express their opinion. Um, without judgment and without necessarily needing to stick to your lane, right? Every, we're all in this meeting, whether it's an executive meeting or a sales meeting or whatever, for a reason, speak your mind. Um, ultimately, there's going to be one decision maker, but if you feel a certain way about something, you should say it because it's only through that exchange of information from a lot of various different and diverse perspectives that you're getting the right, you're going to get the right or the best outcome. I mean, I've been surprised myself, you know, we, we in New Era, um, we, we practice this all the time and we make sure everybody is, is, feels comfortable being open and honest. Um, and there are many times where there's three lawyers, there's eight of us, there are three lawyers and five non-lawyers. And generally that means when there are legal questions about the product or the industry and whatnot, um, the three lawyers generally have that industry experience and and are more opinionated, but there are a number of times where our engineer will, will, you know, one of the engineers will say something not related to engineering, but related to, you know, the legal industry or, or some particular, you know, rule that we have that um, none of us thought of 
And that is the course of direction that we need to go in because they just, they come at it from a different angle. Um, and it's, it's, again, I think it's the best way to, to run a business and to make decisions to just make sure that everybody can be, can be honest and, and free to speak their mind. That's good. I like it. Thank you. Not something I expected from a lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> Do I need like a, a statement to flash? Yeah. Right. <laughs> to make sure. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. I need a shame disclaimer. No, I think that's great. I think that's awesome. That's the way to to lead a company. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, and it, it, um, it definitely carries forward to just, um, you know, externally as well when I'm out there, you know, selling and talking to potential prospects and leads, um, the same, it's a, it's a different dynamic, but it's the same principle of being open and honest, right? I'm not going to sell you something that we can't do or that we don't have. You might want it. And this, this happens on, you know, when you're talking to lawyers, they have their clients and they need to come at it from a certain perspective. We are a neutral platform, right? We can't favor any one side. We have to be completely neutral, fair to, fair to everybody. And so, you know, these lawyers, of course, they're going to, they're going to say, well, you know, it'd be really nice if X, Y, and Z, but it's like, well, sure. But, you know, there's nothing that we can do about it because we are staying neutral. And so, being honest about that, you know, people appreciate it and they recognize that. And ultimately it favors them, you know, for it to be neutral in the end of the day. Um, Cause they don't know what disputes are going to come up. So yeah, same, same principle kind of all, all around. I like it. Well, you're awesome, Shane. This has been so well, much fun. <laughs> I had a blast. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show and we'll yeah, see no, you soon. To Maybe a, a joint race or two is in order as well. I would love to do it, Spartan races. I've always, I've, I've never, I've done the urban athlon, but I don't think that's okay. nearly as intense as, uh, as running through rings of fire or whatever. I would, I would totally do it. I had a, a friend the other day who's getting ready for his first say, what should I expect? And I said, bruises in places you didn't know could be bruised. <laughs> you could get bruises. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. You sold me. Great. It's a blast. <laughs> I've been on calls where I've like put my arm up or done something and like, Oh, didn't expect that. I guess that was from this weekend. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. If there's ever one, you know, we're not too far from each other. If there's one in Chattanooga, you let me know we're in Nashville. I'll, uh, I'll make the yeah. trip. Beautiful. Well, sounds good. Have a great rest of your week. We'll see you soon. Thank, Jane. thank you. You too. Thanks for having me.